Hello and welcome to Brits on Flicks, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, dissect and deliberate over a movie of our choosing. This month's episode is Tao, the latest Netflix original movie that stars Micah Munro and, well, to be honest, that's about all we really knew about this going into it. So I, I don't think we're going to have much to say about the filmmaker or anything else. Do you have anything to add about this, Brian? No, I mean, I knew Gary Oldman did a voice to the uh, to the AI, but that's about it. That's th- and that it was on Netflix. You know, I'd, I'd mm. seen trailers for it on Netflix. It kind of looked. It looked more like a uh, low rent horror than a science mm. fiction film. It, it it felt like the horror angle was going to be more pronounced than the science fiction angle. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you knew more than me because. Even after watching the movie, I did not know that was Gary Oldman. Oh, right. <laughs> so, that went completely over my head. Um, I've seen a lot of Netflix original movies, and it is something that imbues me with an equal sense of fear and excitement, because you're never sure what you're going to get. Mm. And you think I would have leaned towards one way or another, because the amount of good movies you could count on one hand, to be fair. Yeah. Um, what what would you what would you say is the pinnacle of Netflix movies so far? Because mm. there ha- there have been a few good ones. There's there's two that spring to my mind that I would say that are the have kind of set the bar as far as Netflix go. And and I don't class Annihilation because they didn't make that. They just bought it after the fact. So mm. I, I'm I'm struggling to think. I'd probably say Okja was pretty good. Right. Um, yeah, for me, I think the the two that I've seen that really stood out were The Babysitter, um, which is probably my favourite of theirs, uh, and then the, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called, uh, Where She's Tied to the Bed. Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game, that's it. For, for me, that, that would have been a, a five-star movie if it hadn't been for the ending. They completely mm. blew it in the ending, but... <laughs> um, it's it, like it's not enough to completely just write off the movie because because it mm. it is a damn good movie up until like the last five minutes, um, but yeah, the babysitter for me is probably the the strongest that I've seen on Netflix so far. You know, just thinking about it, there was um, I quite liked Bright, the Will Smith movie, that was mm. okay, but um, I really enjoyed the Martin Freeman zombie movie Cargo. I have not seen that. Wow, I mean it's it's one of these weird ones because it's it has very familiar zombie tropes within it, things that you've right. seen done in other movies, okay. but it has such a rich emotional core to it that you really get invested in the characters and like it, it had me a wreck at the end of it. Like, wow. Okay. It, it, I, like I think it. it's fantastic. I'll have to share that one out. Have you seen Have you seen the Cloverfield Paradox? Yeah. I've I've not seen that one yet. What what did you? Um, I think it's tonally all over the place, and it's quite obvious how they've tried to shoehorn Cloverfield into it. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I felt that way about Ten Cloverfield Lane, but there you go. Uh, so yeah, a, a fantastic um, movie that yeah shouldn't have had the last ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. So Tao. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All oh, right. Okay. Uh, so I just I just give my synopsis then. Okay. Sure. 
Right. Tao. <laughs> the girl, the girl from it follows, and the guest is kidnapped and held prisoner by a crazy scientist inside a high-tech mansion that is run by an artificial intelligence. In exchange for her good behaviour, the crazy scientist allows her certain privileges that make her stay more comfortable. In exchange for her teachings about the outside world and what it means to be free, the AI divulges pieces of information that may aid in her escape. But with killer android Ares watching her every move, can this young woman really trust this AI, known simply as Tao? Okay, like like I said, Brian, I knew nothing going into this. I watched it today, mm. and I'd say that the, the, the one thing the movie had was it was constantly surprising, as in the way it turned. It wasn't what I expected. Mm. I expected a, a house that was uh, had a torturous AI. Mm. And I suppose to a certain extent it does have those kind of facets about it, but I had quite a few issues the movie itself <laughs> and that's been games I just watched it today so I haven't fully fleshed them all out but there's a lot of right. things I had problems with but you know what about you how was your feeling overall about the movie yeah pr- pretty much um, I kind of I kind of went up and down with it um, like there's so much in there that actually if, if they just did a few reworkings here and there touch this up touch that up iron that mm-hmm. kink out they could actually make a pretty special little kind of sci-fi movie, but yeah, for me, they they make too many mistakes, um, mm. and like so, so certainly, I, I like Micah Monroe. Uh, mm-hmm. I've liked her in everything that I've seen her in. I like her here. Uh, you know, she she's got a just a, a good presence about her. I think she's a good actress. I think she's still one to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Gary Oldman's voice is maybe not the best choice for this. Um, I don't know if it's just that proper kind of southern British accent um, mm-hmm. that it that doesn't quite suit. Like when you think of, I don't know, when you think of malevolent AI or whatever, that that particular accent doesn't really jump off the page at me, you know. Um, so it's nothing against Gary Oldman, but mm-hmm. uh, th- th- there's there's a a key point in the film where like I I was kind of enjoying it, but but not immensely. But then it got interesting at this one point where so it's 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 when they start getting into this discussion her and and Tao about mm-hmm. you know what what it, what it means to be free and this that and the other. And there's a really interesting moment where Tao kind of turns what she's saying a little bit on its head by asking her the question, do you follow your creator's rules? You know, do you you listen to your creator? Um, And she just gives him this look like, uh, probably not. Now, if they'd have left it there with regards to the discussion... That that would have been perfect for me, because um, it it was pretty open as to how you read into that. You know what 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 you want to read into that. Um, you know, if, but but yeah, as as the film goes on, 
And, you know, eventually she turns into this tough girl. She has to fight to get out of there. And then she gives this speech back to Tao about how she is essentially in charge of her own destiny and all this. You know, she's she's an individual who's basically essentially her own god in, in, in many ways, is, is what she's saying. Um, and, and that kind of lost it for me with regards to... Because science fiction... Mm-hmm. It's about asking questions. To, to, to me, the, the best science fiction, it asks questions. It doesn't provide you the answers. Um, you know, that, that's what dramas do. Dramas provide you with some answers because you get that catharsis. That's, that's kind of mm-hmm. what a drama does. It sets up problems, real-world problems. It shows you how people overcome them. It shows you how people face them and, and, and where they're at once they get over that hill. So that's fine in a drama. This is painting itself as a science fiction film. It is a science fiction film. You're dealing with AI and all that. You're dealing with the the nature of free will, you know? You're dealing with what what is it to be human? All these questions are in there, which is great. That's that's what all the best science fiction deals with. But like I say, the best science fiction also leaves you with questions, and then it lets you, the audience, go away and think about the answers to those. It doesn't slap you in the face with that answer and that's what this film does and that for me is the biggest misstep hmm. you see I remember that conversation but I took it a completely different way because obviously you, you always uh, like hatch on to any kind of city religious beliefs motifs within the movies for some reason they skipped me by completely <laughs> I, 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 like what you're saying makes perfect sense but when he asks do you follow your creator I thought about the parents exactly but but, but that's but that's but that's the thing like Mm -hmm. you leave that question Mm -hmm. um and then and then then it's open so people Mm -hmm. can dig really deep they can go for religious stuff they can just look at it as a parental thing you know the people who put me on this planet kind of thing who raised me um, but the moment you start to get into those answers, because she, she, she addresses that, doesn't she? She actually, she mentions that it's her parents, essentially. Mm. She, so she takes yeah. that idea of creator and she says, yes, it's the parents. So by doing mm. that, you instantly cancel out half of the other ideas that the film could really be about. Oh, mm. right. So you, oh, you've made it about the parents. Okay, so this, this has suddenly become a family drama. Um, when in actual fact it could have been an existential drama, um, you know. So, yeah. So, uh, like you say, I like the fact that we both get something different from that question. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that they make you only be able to read it one way by the time they've answered it, by the time they've had her do her little speech. But, but I think even, even by the time the movie gets to that point, I think it's lost any punch that it may have because it... It lets you know early on that they aren't fully-fledged characters. This is a, a genre movie at its heart. Mm. It, it has this opening that feels out of place with the rest of the movie, with, with the, the main character of, uh, is it Jen, Julie? I cannot remember. I just call her the girl from It Follows. Yeah. Um, she's like, say, living a life where she's robbing people, she's scamming people mm. for money, and she's mm. doing whatever it takes. And then... Then she's in the in the, the the layer of the scientist, and you feel like, why why is that there? Yeah. The, 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 
no purpose to it, is there? There's no purpose. Like, if, if, if we had scenes within the house where she has to deal with who she is, with the fact that she is a criminal, with the fact that she doesn't treat people, you know, in the best way possible, and that this experience changes her in some way, that it opens her eyes to who she was and to who she, she now can be. But mm. we don't. We don't get any of that. We just... And it almost feels like that little bit at the beginning is tacked on just to open the film up to somewhere other than this house a bit. I don't know, to make mm. it feel a bit more cinematic. But it doesn't. It doesn't do anything, like you say. No, I mean, you could quite easily have had the movie with her just waking up. I mean, we've seen it in mm. a thousand other movies, but you know, it mm. adds a little bit more mystery to the character, which you would discover through her conversations with Tao. Yeah. You know, so you get this bit at the start and you get them waking up and then all of a sudden she's MacGyver and she's breaking out of the cell. <laughs> which is, is a pretty fun sequence. And then we get to the front of the house, they're just about to escape, and Ares raises his head. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, we've got a hardware situation here. It's yeah. going to be this girl being chased down by the robot. And I thought, wow, they've got a long time to go. And it, again, it, it circumvents that by becoming something a little bit more different than that because it really does go out of its way but I'm thinking I thought it was going to be Ares was going to be the bad mm. uh, guy in the movie the antagonist and I thought I, I can deal with that but when they turn it into the scientist you never get a feeling of a duality and I think some of the best villains in movies you can kind of see their point you may not agree mm. with it and they're going about it the wrong way, but you can understand why they are doing what they are doing. It makes sense to them. You yeah. don't get any of that at all in this movie. You just get a caricatured bad guy who is he's mean to the girl and he's even meaner to the robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I think that's all in the writing. I, I wouldn't blame the actor for that. I, I can't remember his name. He's the new transporter, isn't he? He's, uh, yeah, Ajax and... Deadpool. Yeah, in Deadpool, yeah. I, I actually thought he was quite good in Deadpool, mm-hmm. uh, it must be said. Um, I thought he made for quite an interesting villain. So he is capable. He's not, you know, he's not a terrible actor. So I, I think they just don't give him a right lot to do other than be this kind of tight-assed, snot-nosed, mm-hmm. intelligent uh, meanie. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um he's not good with her he's not good with the robot he's not good with his board members he keeps disappearing every day and you don't know what he's doing mm-hmm. um, you know this could be the best thing for mankind but we don't see yeah. the application of what he's doing so we, we can't go well you know maybe mm-hmm. understand yeah like if, if we'd if we'd have I mean, I know they probably wanted to keep it confined to the house, but if you're going to do that, why have the opening scene? Mm. Uh, but uh, they could have done some scenes where we did see where he was going. You could mm. add some kind of personal life there, some kind of personal attachment that but makes you understand why he's doing what he's doing. Um, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the old doesn't it seem odd? Because he's talking to the board members at one point, and they're like, you never, you've never been in the boardroom in, in months. Right, and he's got his, he's got everything in the house he needs. His laboratory, his tests, all his information is there. Where the hell's he going? Like he's leaving all that to go away to work on this project. It's due in so mm. many days. That's the ticking clock. But he keeps leaving the house, and you're like, yeah, why? It's everything that he needs is right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Like, like for me, you you could have killed two birds with one stone by gi- giving him giving him some kind of personal attachment, like a dying wife or yes. a, a dying daughter that he has to go and visit, and the work that he's doing is designed to save her or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I know at some point they do answer the fact that yeah, sometimes he goes away to kidnap other people, mm. um, but yeah, what yeah, I. I I'm not buying that he's out there twenty four seven just kidnapping no. people. Um, but then again, it's the, at the start you kind of get this idea that it's a a, a desolate, rundown world, or there seems to be skiddy parts of it. And it's like, why is he not just hiring people to undergo this operation? Hmm. I know they say yeah. at the end when they take the bit out, it kills them. But surely there must be easier ways rather than just ripping it out like he seems to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but then the movie kind of moves into an almost esoterical manner of these conversations between uh, Julia and Tao. Mm. And this was kind of fun, but I was almost waiting on the AI turning around at some point going, what is love? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I, I literally was. It, it felt very Star Trek to me at that point. And, and, and I'm talking 60s Star Trek. And that's... Mm. That's not a diss on 60 Star Trek. It's a product of its time, um, you know, and it's... it's. But, yeah, it, it, is that, it is that notion that, you know, science fiction, what, what's science fiction about? It's like people have this tick box. What are the questions that science fiction needs to ask? Well, what, what does it mean to be human? Well, to human is to love. What does it mean to love? And you, you do, you get those questions popping up a lot in, in particularly AI movies where mm-hmm. you know where you get an AI who, who has to learn what it means to be human and it's just, it is I, I was sat there waiting for that question to be asked quite <laughs> frankly but yeah mm. and it seems to be like like I was teased a little bit because that breakout scene made it feel as if it was going to be a little bit more action packed than what it mm. actually was and yeah. you get the, the somewhat Decent special effects, like Aries looks pretty good. Yeah, see, I, I I wasn't that keen myself. I did mm-hmm. I didn't like the design. Um, it's all very pointy and mm-hmm. triangular and just yeah. It, it was, I like the fact that it's it's almost like a piece of modern art that's mm. actually monitoring the house. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought it was quite good. But the little robots, little drones. Um, I don't think they were as good-looking CGI, but I like the fact they would come out and clean. <laughs> Just yeah. I, th- I thought we were going to get a bit of kind of some kind of phantasm action going on at, at one point when they started mm-hmm. flying around, but unfortunately not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a shame. Um, I think I think I need to talk about the end of the movie when it really does right. just go absolute. Crazy. So we we get this situation where Tao is being tortured and she is almost <laughs> out of this house. Yeah, yeah. And um, or you kind of have this idea of Stockholm syndrome. You kind of get that a little bit of idea of that, but then again, it is a machine and she's almost yeah. at freedom. Yeah. And then it just becomes atypical of these kind of movies. She was back to save this robot. It doesn't remember her. She's put in danger. And they have to have that standoff. It's so generic. <laughs> it's so generic. It, it, it does feel generic. And also, I, I don't... This this idea where they make the AI feel pain, 
Mm. Like, like I, I get the idea that like, it's a machine, okay? It's a computer. If you delete a memory, it doesn't. It wouldn't know that the memory's been deleted. It's just like all of a sudden, something, some part of it is shut down. It just simply stops operating that specific function. Mm. You know. So this idea that you delete a memory and it goes, it's like, it's just, yeah, it's a bit corny, a bit, it's stretching it a bit for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not really buying it. Yeah, and it's weird that it's actually getting lines of code deleted. So how does he know he's not deleting something that's actually (laughs) important? And how does he know that he's completely wiped? Julia from its memory banks at the end as well. Yeah, because you know, all he's doing is pressing a button. Yeah, just just one button, and it's like <laughs> memory's gone, <laughs> memory's gone. It's a yeah. It's all. It's not really particularly well thought through. Like I can understand if he brought up something on a laptop. It's like I'm deleting your such and such subroutine or you know whatever nonsense. But mm. again, just the whole touch of a button, boom, screaming like he's in pain, uh, which I don't quite understand. Um, he, yeah, mm-hmm. makes makes no sense to me. It it just, it just doesn't really ring true. It, it feels very false. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you pick on something nice to bring something to the forefront, I thought Mike and Monroe did pretty well, and I thought the movie looked pretty good as well. Like the way it was mm. shot, some of the color choices, and it was a nice. Mm environment that they were in it's a good concept um it's it's maybe an episode of outer limits i'm not quite sure it stretches to a full movie i think that's evident by the running time this isn't a particularly long film from what i remember i think it's around the 80 minute mark but i could be wrong um but yeah I, i think it's stretched a little bit. If th- if this was an episode of like Twilight Zone or Outer Limits, I think I think you'd have a good, uh, tight little episode there. Uh, but as it yeah, stands, it's, it's, it's much. ultimately kind of underwhelming. And mm. this is probably systemic of most of the Netflix movies that I've watched because I feel like they have all this money and they can mm. attract creators and good ideas. And they allow people with the creative freedom to make what they want. But I think this goes to prove that sometimes they need people to rein them in yeah. to fine tune ideas. You know, you find that in a lot of the movies that they have really good ideas, but they, they go on a wacky path that seems unfulfilling to the movie that you're watching. And I feel that's that's the same here. This could have done with a couple of more passes on the script. A couple of people like fine tuning things. Yeah, I, I think that's primarily where it lies, is in the scripts. Mm. Um, like, I can't fault production values for the most part with regards to Netflix movies. You know, when, mm. I, when I watch a Netflix movie, I do feel like I'm watching something that looks as though it was shot for cinema. You know, they don't, they don't half-arse it in that regard. But it is. It's, it's like there needs to be a bit more vetting in the script department. There needs to be a board of people who know what they're doing who sit down and say, let's break this down, break down the story, break down the character, motivations, the journeys, this, that and the other, dialogue, and just, yeah, touch it up, go through a few drafts. But it's almost like they say, oh, that's that's a good idea, that that, that script's a good idea, go, run with it, boom. Mm. So. Yeah, I think they need 
probably rather than going after the directors or the talent or those kind of people, I think the group they really want to do is get a, a stable of good producers that, that, that know how to put a team together, they know how to work yeah. a script properly because, like I said, their movies are all over the place um, and, and they don't have enough good ones to go that this is it's an accident that it's turned out as well as it has. Which isn't that no. well. Um, I, I, personally, I, I don't think I've got much more to say about Tao. I don't know about yourself, Brian. Um, no, I, I will say that there's a few shocking moments of violence in it that I wasn't expecting. Like when mm. The, mm. the two people that she's locked in with at the beginning, when they first escape and Ares goes on the warpath and just nails them and you're like, whoa, okay. Uh, they did, one, they didn't last long and two, I, I thought they would actually play a bit more of a pivotal mm-hmm. role in it. I, I thought it would be this, these three people trying to work their way out of this maze but like you say, it does, it does kind of uh, subvert your expectations in that regard. You think it's going to be one thing, it turns out to be something else but by the time it's turned out to be something else, you kind of wish that it had been the thing you thought it was going to be, so that's yeah. the problem. If, you, if you're going to subvert expectations, do it in a way where people are happy to have them subverted. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose maybe we'll just go into wrap-ups of this. Um, this, mm. this is another forgettable Netflix original movie for me. Mm. It's not one I'm going to think about again or, or even consider going back to. Um, th- th- there's not a lot of rewarding points or anything to make it worthwhile visiting this movie, this character again. And, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of pluses for me, and I, I initially gave it a score in my head. And I think I'm going to knock a half star off it, Brian, just talking yeah. about it, because it's got some more faults. And I think uh, I'm going to give Tao two out of five. Mm. Yeah, uh, so... so when I watched this, I rated it on Letterboxd and I gave it a two and a half. Um, yeah, so did I. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. See, I, th- I think there's enough elements in there as, uh, with regards to the idea. I think there's, there's something there. You know, you tighten up that script, you fix some problems, then you would have actually quite a good film. I think, yeah. I think I'm going to stick with my two and a half. Mm. Um, I, I don't think it's so bad that, uh, yeah, yeah, two and, a, two and a half, two and a half. Yeah, yeah, um, that, there we have it. So, our top five for this episode was, and um, it was a bit of a, a broad canvas. This one, it was movies where the majority of the time is spent with a person trapped in a location. Right, yeah, yeah, I think round about those kind of ways, we can have some leeway, yes, yeah. Um, now, I started to get like I do, I go on the internet and start searching these things and I start writing down a list and before I know it I've got an A4 page with three columns on it of titles of movies and I'm like, wow, I, I need to put some extra rules onto myself to whittle it down. So mm-hmm. I, I went for movies that are set within the one place. They don't yeah. leave it. You know, the, the, I looked at things like... Um, well, you could have went for the Shawshank Redemption. It's a man trapped in a prison. <laughs> you know, but then I, I felt as if that was really like pushing it the boundaries. Yeah, so. yeah. So I don't know how stringent you were on this. Topic. Yeah, I, I, I was fairly stringent. So I, you know, I, 
for me, it was like 80% of the movie. As, as long as 80% of the movie is in one location and that location isn't much bigger, really, than a house. Um, and I don't mean a Resident Evil-style mansion in mm. which it feels like 20 different locations because the mansion is so big. I mean something the size of a house. Um, yeah, as long as 80% of the movie took place there and somebody was being held against their will then that pretty much covered the basis for me. Right, I, I've not... Well, I think they loosely fits in the people held against their will. Like with the yeah. exception of one of the movies, maybe. Okay. I don't know, I'm jumping my list about my head already, Brian. Okay. <laughs> There's one that I really wanted to fit in there, um, but I felt as if... Uh, what was it? No, I think I might squeeze it in there, Brian. I've not decided yet. <laughs> you do this every time. <laughs> All right. Go I'll let you go first while I decide here. Okay, so my number five is Misery. Um, I, I think uh, it really fits the bill. The bill. You can't really get um, confined to, <laughs> to, a, to a smaller location than a bed, really. Mm. This guy is pretty much in a bed for most of the running time. Um, it, is, it is a classic, I think. Uh, I, I've not seen it that many times, but I think everybody remembers the breaking of the legs scene. Oh. It's just, oh, every, oh man. <laughs> just visualising it is, is enough to give me the, uh, the, the willies. But yeah, just great performance from Kathy Bates really good uh, James Kahn as well and mm. just this idea of it, it's this fame and um, fanatics so you know someone who is a fan just taking it not a little but a lot too far uh, so yeah uh, Stephen King adaptation of this writer who has a crash and a, a fan in inverted commas, picks him up, rescues him, <laughs> and then proceeds to torture him for the rest of the movie. So, yeah, really good stuff. Um, right, so that means it's my turn, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. Right, OK, fine. My number five is Pontypool. I don't know if you've seen this one, Brian, have you? I have not. I'm not right. It's a, it's a small Canadian horror movie that I saw for the first time a month or two ago, and it's, it's about 10 years old. And it's basically about this shock jock, this radio DJ that is spending his morning shift in, in the booth with his producer and an assistant. And something has happened to the town he is in, and he's piecing the information together through people that are phoning in, through reporters that are out in the streets. And it just kind of creates this atmosphere. You really get the idea of the character. And you're in about as much uh, knowledge as he is. He's learning it throughout it. And it becomes really affecting. And there is a strange, really interesting conceit behind this movie that is um, all about language and the way language plays out. And because you have this DJ, you have this really warm, interesting voice as this guy just tells you stories, tries to figure out what's happening and creates... One hell of a really interesting movie set within a, a radio booth. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, I'd love to tell you more, but I think if you haven't seen it, you shouldn't have it spoiled. 
Right. Okay. Right. Uh, my number four film that's already been mentioned tonight is Ten Cloverfield Lane. Uh, it's really solid stuff. Uh, I I think, like I said, I don't think it needed to be a Cloverfield movie. Um, it was definitely forced into being that, mm. uh, but but that's okay, you know, because it's still a really good film. Uh, John Goodman, one of my favorite actors, always reliable. Very good performance here from him. He do, he does a very good crazy guy. He's very mm. good at playing crazy. Um, John John Goodman's one of them people who's who's pretty good all rounder, to be honest, because he's yeah. very good at playing the big warm-hearted, kind of trustworthy type of guy. And then on the flip side of that, he's very good at playing the scary, off-the-rails, wouldn't-want-to-mess-with-him kind of yeah, creepy-ass guy. So he does that here to great effect. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I've always liked, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Uh, but uh, but uh, she, she's a good actress. I like her in this. She's very good at kind of portraying that woman caught in a very very tight spot and desperate to get out mm. kind of vibe so yeah it's a very tense film and there's some th- th- there's one thing in it in particular that happens that is quite disgusting but uh yeah surprised to get away with what they do for for a 12 i think it was a 12 was it a 12 a or a 12 i think it was i think a so i think so yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's so, a good pick yeah. i think it's um, a really good movie like you say the last 10 minutes pointless absolutely pointless yeah. they kind of robbed the movie of some of the power that it had and I think my favourite thing about that is, is the lead character is actually like a really strong capable woman that, that can mm. take charge of the situation tears it down to what has to be done and does what has to be done you know yeah. it's just really nice um, my number four is 127 Hours uh, by Danny Boyle you know yeah it's being held captive by a rock um, yeah, yeah so I, I guess that works he doesn't want to be there, put it that way. He, he doesn't want to be there and um, mm-hmm. he's there for the majority of the movie and it shouldn't work. It, it's, it's, he's stuck there but because of Danny Boyle's style and the way he shoots it and the flair and the, the cinematic touches he adds to it, as well as Franco's great performance, it really brings the character alive. So you're actually, you know, you, you feel endeared with the character and you want him to get out of this situation and mm. what happens is h- horrific. You know, I, I keep thinking back to that moment when he gets to the, the nerve and you just get that oh. loud that, 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 that twing oh. It, oh. oh oh man another one of grim. those moments oh grim yeah yeah I, I, I to be honest if, if, if I wasn't thinking being held against their will by another person that that probably would have made my top five um, I did scan past that actually at one point. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 it was just single location things, this would be a very different list. Locke mm. would be in there, but I can't really say that he's being held against his will. But yeah, although I think is is uh, Locke was almost in my list, but I think it's he has been held against here with the sense of right duty. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because this woman is tol- telling him that he, she's giving birth with his baby, so he, he feels compelled. Yes, and to what go. he does is going to tear his world apart. Yeah, so he's pretty much stuck in that car. So, in that regard, yeah, it would have been nice, but I, I didn't, yeah. I, the way I see it, 
It's it's more psychopaths holding other people against their will. I, I, so. Locke was my number five before I jimmied my list. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, Locke would be in my top two if I was, you know, if I was opening the doors that wide open. But anyway, moving on. Number three, fairly recent movie is Green Room. Uh, yeah. So. We do have a few scenes at the beginning of the film where they're not in this one location, but after 15 minutes, they're, they're in this, you know, everyone's in this one location. They don't leave there for the rest of the film. Um, and, yeah, it's nuts. So this band end up playing at basically a skinhead Nazi club and everything goes wrong. Um <laughs> In the deepest, darkest way possible. But, yeah, brilliantly directed, uh, brilliantly acted. Really nice to see Patrick Stewart doing something that you don't normally see him doing. Mm. He's kind of known for playing these noble characters like Picard and Professor Xavier. So seeing him play this leader of a group of skinheads is, yeah, definitely out of his wheelhouse. And, it, it yeah, all the better for it, I think. Yeah, terrific movie. And... Since we're going for wince-inducing scenes, let's go for the bit where the big guy gets cut open and to see if he's still alive, and it's uh, just slices that flesh. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, my number three is Lifeboat, Alfred Hitchcock's Lifeboat. Um, it's, it's about um, a boat that is torpedoed, and the, the survivors are on the lifeboat and they discover or they, they start to figure out that one of the people on the lifeboat is the person responsible for the ship going oh, down. Oh, right, OK. We'll say no more, because I've never seen Lifeboat. It's, uh, it's, it's set within a lifeboat the entire movie. You don't see the ship getting sunk or anything, and wow. it just plays out in a really tense, escalating tension suspense, as you would expect from Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. I mean, I... I I particularly like Rope, which is another one-location Hitchcock it, film. It, it so. was one of the two, but I, I felt it was if the guys aren't held against their will, they want no, to be no, there. No. They're yeah, playing yeah, the yeah. situation. No, like Rope definitely doesn't fit the bill for, yeah. for the criteria. Just, just a side note, um, it's a toss-up between Rear Window and Rope as to what's my favourite Hitchcock. All right. Really? Yeah. Have you ever seen Shadow of a Doubt? Yes. Wow. Okay. Not enough love is given to Shadow of a Doubt, I don't think. It's, yeah. It's in, my, it's in my top three Hitchcock films. After Psycho and Rear Window. But anyway, we're not talking Hitchcock. Uh, my number two is another fairly recent movie, Don't Breathe. Um, the, the interesting thing about this movie is that these people voluntarily go into this house... They are the ones who have the upper hand. They are the ones who are in control. They are the ones who are dangerous, who should be feared, who are the criminals. Uh, yeah, and everything goes to pot. Everything gets turned. The tables completely get turned. This blind man turns out to be more than capable of handling these guys and within five minutes of them being in this house, they want to get out. And the rest of the film is them trying to get out mm. and not doing a very good job of it. Uh, so, yeah, brilliant film. Yeah. Shall we mention the turkey baster scene? Oh, let's not. <laughs> let's not. Please, please. Okay. If, um, my number two is Saw. Yes. Oh, 
Now I am, I am a huge fan of this movie. Um, I, I'm not. I like the series, but I really do feel that the first one is is, is pretty fantastic. I, and I think it's it's been diluted because of the amount of sequels and because of where the sequels go. Because they're all about the blood. They're all about the traps. They're all about the gore. The, that's not the first one. The first one's not about that. It's a psychological thriller. You disagree, Brian? Uh, well, I've not seen Saw since its release, but when I did see it, um, the thing that went through my head is, yeah, torture porn. Uh, this, this, is, this is what it is. It's torture porn. And I also felt that it was the antithesis to Seven and not in a good way. Um, like Seven showed you nothing but suggested everything and it left an indelible impression in your mind as a result of that. Whereas Saw was kind of the reverse. It showed you everything, so it didn't need to suggest it, and I just felt like it was unnecessary. And Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you are long overdue a rewatch on that. This, this is, is, for me, is one of the most kinetic, well-directed movies that I can think of. And from a debut director, for a really small budget, the... the they create something that looks spectacular. I think, I think it is tarred with the torture porn brush because of the, the sequels are definitely that. They're all about the traps and they're all about the blood and the gore. This one's a little bit more psychological, and definitely a lot more playful, a lot more fun. Has a good mystery to it. Uh, well, I, I also I also saw the ending coming a mile off. Now, I, I don't I don't know if I should ruin that here in case anybody still hasn't seen Saw, but. Let's just say there was a point in the movie where when I thought that guy, that guy is the killer. That guy is the killer. E even the killer. after seeing the movie, I've seen like, it quite a few times, it still holds up and that, that doesn't become a big part of it. You know what that is, but that's not yeah. what makes it enjoyable the second, third, fourth, fifth time you watch it. For me, absolute love. So, when I think it's a, a terrific, terrific movie. I, I do keep meaning to visit the whole franchise. I won't say revisit because I've not seen most of them. Uh, I saw one, two, and I think it was five. Um, it was the, the one with uh, Chester Bennington in from Lincoln Park. But, uh, yeah, it's one of the later ones. Yeah, but, uh, but I, do, I, I, I am meaning to watch all... Is there seven now? Eight, if you include the city reboot. Jigsaw. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So but, I, but I do want to watch all eight, and do like they, a ranking they, video or something. But. Yeah, they, they do get rather convoluted with their flashbacks and, and things like mm. that because it, be, it gets to a point where like part three and part four are happening at the same time, and this person's doing this and that and blah blah blah. Mm. And but for me, the the first one is head and shoulders above the rest, and, and even part eight was actually pretty good. Right. Um, because it brings back yeah. into the mystery of who is this jigsaw or who's the person it's quite interesting yeah. but anyway I'll, I'll let you move on with your number one okay uh, so my number one uh, I'm a huge David Fincher fan I think Panic Room is one of his most underrated films uh, yeah I love it Panic Room as my number one so you know all takes place in this this house uh, they have a panic room they get invaded they go into the panic room what do they do from there um, the, the, the crooks want to get in they want to get out and get away from the crooks 
it's, it's a bit of a stalemate. But yeah, it goes to some dark places, as you would expect with David Fincher. I think Jared Leto's really good in it. Uh, Forrest Whitaker's really good in it. Uh, the other dude that I can't remember the name of, he's very good in it. Uh, yeah, um, even even Kirsten, whatever her name is. Stuart. Is Stuart, yeah. She, yeah, she, she, this was when she had a promising career. She came off the, you know, I think this might have been her first film, if I'm not mistaken. Um, cer- certainly one of her first. She was, uh, the fact that she was paired up as well with Jodie Foster kind of made you think that she did have that Jodie Foster quality about her, that, you know, the young child actress who would go on to great things. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit unfair. I think she has done some good stuff since. Uh, but yeah, you you need to check out Clouds of Sils Maria and uh, Personal Shopper. Right, Fantastic yeah. movies. She's, people, she's doing good work. Yeah, people keep on saying Personal Shopper is, is, is one to watch. I think that I think the the stain of Twilight has just kind of. I'd say both her and Patterson are starting to move away from that. Starting to do some really interesting yeah. uh, work again. Especially Patterson did good time recently. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I I think Patterson was was quickest to get off that mark and really he really distance himself from Twilight. Working with David Cronenberg and yeah, just you know doing films like The Rover and things like that. It's just, but uh, yeah. Um, my number one, which could be contentious, and let's face it, it wouldn't be a top five of mine if it wasn't. Um, my number one is Twelve Angry Men. Uh, yes, yes, no, no, they are. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. They are. They most of them want to go, and that one juror is keeping them there. So yeah, yeah this is it's one of these movies. It's in my top ten of all time. Um, mm-hmm. Every time I stick this thing on, I absolutely marvel. The way it comes together and the the plot is fantastic. But the last time I watched it, I noticed more about the direction and how throughout the rest of the movie the the, the walls seem to move in. You know, the way they film things at the top down angles near the end, and the camera slowly starts off like moving about the room or being static. At the end, it's it's jumping all over the place as the cuts increase. But this is a a fantastic tale, a fantastic story of one man who's not trying to be contrarian, but he's standing by his own ideals against the face mm. of opposition of everybody telling him that he's wrong, but he just, yeah. he, he's not wanting to argue or fight, he just wants to be more informed, mm. um, which is an ideal that I think we could all uh, really reach for, you know, yeah. just more more information, be more informed, and I think that's it's, it's one of those ones that every time it finishes, there's just a huge smile on my face, and I feel as if it's been a good time spent in front of the TV, yeah, it it is a great film, really great film. Have you ever seen a film called Prince of the City? No. So Sidney Lumet, same director, really good. Uh, it got recommended to me by one of my patrons, and it it's fantastic, really fantastic. Um, the last last kind of third of the film also has a bit of a courtroom drama type thing mm-hmm. about it, but it is really good. But yeah, I, Twelve Angry Men, fantastic film. Definitely one of the best films ever made. Um, I just, yeah, I just wasn't thinking ab- about it in those terms. But yeah, you're right. I, I probably, I need to do, I really need to redo my top five right now. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it was one of those ones where there were so many movies to choose from. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, we managed to come up with then ten completely different movies. There was no crossovers mm. there at all. 
Mm, yeah. So that's good. Very good. So are we going to move on to next episode? We are, yeah. Uh, but before that, I'd just like to say, if you're listening to this out there um, and you like what you've been hearing, if you, if you regularly download the podcast and listen to it, then please do go to iTunes and just give us a quick review and rating. Uh, just click that star rating, hopefully with a five, uh, and just one, one or two sentences just to let people know that we're worth listening to, which I hope we are. Uh, so, yeah. I'm going to do five movies now. This is gra- particularly Graham's favourite part of the oh, show. Um, this is, <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Where I do, one of us does five clues for, fi- for five different films, um, and the other one has to pick one of them, and that one will be the film that we review next time. So, here goes. Number one. A young man and a teenage girl with special gifts take on a clandestine agency in a battle they can win only if they change the future. Number two. When an outcast cop sets out to bring down the biggest drug boss in Harlem, it plunges both men into a legendary confrontation. Number three. When a bar is robbed of money belonging to the mob, the men in charge must decide how they are going to repay the loss. Number four. When man becomes one with machine, the entire world may suddenly be endangered. But there are those who will stop at nothing to make sure that doesn't happen. Number five. One man risks everything to free his wife from prison. All right. Is this the, the, the time where I throw out random guesses? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to say three movies that popped into my head when you were describing them. There was a Push, a The Drop, and The Next Three Days, I think it's called. Um, I'm going to get rid of number five straight away. You're going to get rid of number five. Uh, that is indeed the next three days. Right, okay. Um, number four kind of scares me a bit because that sounds like it could be low-budget nonsense. Um, man, machine. Um, kind of terrifies me, actually. Leave that just now. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to get rid of number three. That is indeed the drop. It's a good movie, but it's not one that I'm rushing to, to check out. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to get rid of number one. Which is indeed Push. Oh, this is unusual. Anybody else? Mm. This never happens. <laughs> yeah. um, so give me number two again, Brian. When an outcast cop sets out to bring down the biggest drug lord in Harlem, it plunges both men into a legendary confrontation. And number four, please. When man becomes one with machine, the entire world may suddenly be endangered. But there are those who will stop at nothing to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. Um, see, we've got two very different movies here that, that could be things that I both enjoy or both <laughs> detest. <laughs> <laughs> Number 
2 reminds me of those 80s, almost buddy cop type movies that Walter Hull would knock out and they'd all be fantastic. It, it kind of reminds mm. me of those kind of things. Number mm. 4 could be anything, pretty much. You know, at first when you said, like, Man Machine, I'm thinking, oh, Robocop, we are in. But then <laughs> that quickly passes and I, and I start to... F- start to get the fear. Now, do I want a science fiction type movie or do I want a crime type of action buddy thing? I don't know. Um, this is... <laughs> am I completely off the mark here, Brian? <laughs> a, li- a little bit, yeah, with one of them. I won't say which. Right, okay. I, I am going to... Um, I, I'm going to jettison the one that, that, that imbues me with the most amount of fear and that is number four <laughs> I think I've tried to get us to review this film before I think I did a clue for it a slightly different clue a while back and you didn't go for it back then the movie is Transcendence <laughs> and it's for the second time has been jettisoned uh, so yeah maybe third time's the charm eh? you're going to be looking out for that now in the future possibly Okay. I wouldn't watch that again. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't actually. I thought it was very underrated when I first saw it. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I'd love to discuss it with someone, which is why I keep trying to bring it back. But uh, now you chose number two, which is not a buddy cop movie. Probably something more closer to Heat, American Gangster. Oh right, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not seen that in a while. Ridley Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Denzel and Russell Crowe, isn't it? Yep, yep. I don't know how I feel about that, Brian. Right, well, we'll see you next episode. (laughs) Mm. And the top five will be, and you've got some good choices here. We have got some good choices. Now, there's there's three obvious ones here. Uh, I might let you choose, actually. You can have top five Ridley Scott, top five Denzel Washington, or top five Russell Crowe. Well, I, th- I think Russell Crowe is 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 a, a list we're going to have similar movies on because you know he's, he's so many good performances. I think we can discount him from it. Okay. And I I think. You know what I, th- I think I'm going to go for Ridley Scott because I think that Ridley could Scott? be yeah he's got a nice okay. varied filmography. Yeah. I think we could have some differences in there. You know, do you go more towards the science fiction? Do you go towards the historical kind of movies that he's done mm-hmm. as well? Yeah. Let's go for for that. Top five Ridley Scott. Okay. So there we have it. That's next month's episode sorted. American Gangster. Top five Ridley Scott. Something to look forward to. If, of course, you have uh, like to add any top fives or your own, please tweet to us. Uh, Our links are all in the comment box below. And we'll see you next month on Brits on Flux. (laughs) 